You're listening to the Immaculate Podcast with Tim McMaster, Ed Bachet, and Mark Caboli. Hard to believe it, but we're winding down the month of January here on the Immaculate Podcast. Tim McMaster, along with Ed Bouchette and Mark Caboli, who is celebrating his birthday, along with his daughter. Mark, happy birthday. Well, thanks. I wouldn't say celebrating. At this point of your life, you're just getting through it, right? <laughs> well, you said you're just uh, 21, right? Yes, just 21 now. every single year now. It's funny, because... Uh, if it wasn't for like social media and people saying something, I wouldn't. Nobody would even recognize my birthday with my uh, daughter's birthday. I don't think one person's ever said happy birthday to me in the family. So that's actually a plus. That means I stay the same age for the past five years. Yeah, Can that's you? a blessing. Definitely not having to worry about <laughs> celebrating the birthday uh, because of the daughter. So cute picture on on Instagram too, and obviously a big thing, a big hashtag this week because of Kobe Bryant has been um, girl dad, and you're living that as well. Tim, uh, an interesting point. We may be the only two beat guys in America who both have daughters who were born on our birthdays. Oh, you too, Ed. Wow. Yep. That is... She's a little older than uh, than Mark's <laughs> daughter, but uh, yep, born on my birthday. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, good stuff. Good trivia here on the Immaculate Podcast. Well, thank you people out there for, for listening, of course. Give us a five-star rating and, and give us a good review if you like what you're hearing. Um, and also, if you want to get that 40% off a subscription to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com, The Immaculate Podcast, and you can get 40% off a one-year subscription. Um, it's been a fairly quiet week, so we're going to kind of dig into Ed's mailbag a little bit and let Mark weigh in on some of those questions as well. Um, good story up on The Athletic this week about Terrell Edmonds, um, who's kind of a polarizing figure at this point um, because of when he was drafted and the kind of year he had in year two. So we'll talk about that. Um, and we'll get some Super Bowl predictions from you guys at the end. So you have a little bit of time to to formulate a, a Super Bowl prediction. And let's do MVPs, too, so you guys can get to that. All right, on to Ed's mailbag. Um, and people can read Ed's, I guess, quick answers on this, but I want to get into these a little more and, and get Mark's take as well. Um, so let's start here. And obviously there's always Ben questions on the mailbag, Ed. And somebody said, what if Ben doesn't return? Should the Steelers, or there was actually two questions. One, what if he doesn't return? And then there was another question. Should the Steelers ask Ben Roethlisberger to retire I'm not sure where that question was coming from, considering the other options, but um, just just tackle those questions for me. Well, if he's healthy, he's not going to retire, and the Steelers are not going to ask him to. And I answered that, uh, you know, if he's not healthy, if that elbow just won't let him play, maybe on his own he might retire, you know, at 38. But uh, like the way Terry Bradshaw did. But um, uh, they can't plan for the future one way or the other. You know, that was one question. Uh, should the Steelers start planning for the future at quarterback? Because they don't have a first-round pick. Uh, they're not going to get – you wouldn't think they're going to get a quarterback after the first round uh, who can be their franchise guy. And I know the Patriots did that with Tom Brady. Uh, that lightning doesn't strike very often. So um, if Ben cannot play this year, uh, maybe if they know that early enough, maybe they can get a veteran somewhere. Um, but they're going to go with Mason Rudolph. That's just the way it is. Mark, when you think about that question and, and asking Roethlisberger to retire, I mean, that's leaving a lot of money on the table. I can't imagine that happening. Yeah, I don't know any reason why he wouldn't. He would do that. First of all, it would be 
he wouldn't really know this until probably deep into the process, I would imagine. I mean, he's probably just going to start throwing the ball here in April a little bit. Uh, So I think we'd have to get to August and September before he could probably really realize if he can go or not. And, you know, to be honest with you, he has a roster bonus coming up here in, uh, you know, early or mid-March of $12 million. So I don't know how much money you would save even if he did retire because that money would always go to him. So, I I mean, I might be one of the few, but I am not really that worried about him being able to come back from this injury. Maybe he's not going to be able to throw the ball 60 yards down the field, but I think he'll make it work one way or another of, you know, intermediate to small, you know, short passes. So I I don't think there's going to be that much of an issue with him. And a lot of people don't take into consideration, this is a guy who's been, you know, pretty much beat up over his 17-year career. And now he gets basically, what, 15 months off? I mean, the only thing that's probably going to be bothering him coming in is his elbow. So, uh, I'm not too concerned about that. I, there's no way he retires because why Why in the world would you leave that money on the table? And second of all, the history states that even if he did retire, a lot of times, I mean, I think most of the times, Ed, that they don't even try to get the money back as in the guaranteed money. Uh, I don't think they did with Troy or anybody like that to be able to recoup some of the uh, guaranteed money that he got up front for signing the contract. So I don't think no, there would be any use anywhere well, around Troy, why he did with it. Troy, with Troy, Mark, if um, if they tried to go after his money, he wasn't going to retire. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a deal uh, in the making. You retire and uh, you can keep all that. So let's touch on the uh, the draft and free agency because those are the big topics this time of year. Obviously, coming off the Senior Bowl and and people getting a chance to see some of that talent. The combine's coming up in a couple of or a few weeks. Um, so the Steelers, you mentioned it, no first round pick. So you know, no chance they're going to go after a quarterback. But they, they do need help, and it's mostly on the offensive side of the football. So Mark, I'll let you go to this one first. Um, what is the position that the Steelers should be focusing in on here for the draft, for that first pick, which is in the second round as long as they don't trade up? You know, I mean, Kevin Colbert loves to say we don't draft for need, we draft for want. And we typically just don't listen to him because it tends to always fall into the point of what they need as well. But they've never been in this position before, or at least not in 50-plus years of not having that first-round pick. So I think you really do have to go with that that thought of picking the best available guy at that, I think, were they at 49 or 50 in the second round? So whether it is, you know, a tight end, which likely it won't be because I don't think tight ends are very deep. If it's a receiver, if it's an offensive lineman, but offensive linemen, usually ones that can play right away go, you know, in the first round. So, uh, and you have to look at guys like a, a rush edge rushers, which are plenty as well. Um, people want to say that running back is there and that probably is the sweet spot of 49 or 50 but I don't know if you really want to go down that route and who will be available because there was two guys that just came back to, from school the guy from Oklahoma State and then, uh, the guy from Clemson ETN that now makes that uh, running back position a little less and maybe not you get quality at that position so I think they'll take the best available guy, and I would not be surprised if that would not be a wide receiver at this point, even though that might be one of their stronger points on offense. You know, um, 
I, I, I'm writing about this. Uh, it'll be a, a story in Friday's The Athletic of how the Steelers uh, should look at what the 49ers are doing and even what um, they did when Bill Cowher took over in 92 and commit more to the run, not drop back in the um, shotgun constantly, which I don't think helps the running game. And I talked to Dick Hoke about this. Hoke was a former Steeler running back who coached uh, almost the entire Chuck Knoll regime. He played for Chuck and then coached for him. I think 72 was his first year. Was a coach, running backs coach, then for Cower his entire career. And they turned things over to Barry Foster in 92, and they just changed everything around. As Mark pointed out, um, Cower's teams, when they got a lead of more than 10 points at any point in the game, was 108-1-1 because they used that run to protect those leads. And I think with an aging Roethlisberger, even if he comes back healthy, they need to start looking into that and maybe not having him back there in the shotgun all the time fielding, uh, you know, ground balls from uh, Marquise Pouncey. Yeah, the question is, though, Ed, does Ben want that, you know? Ben well, threw the ball for 5,000-plus yards two years ago. I know you're going to say he's a player and he, he does what he wants, but I think Ben has a little bit more pull than that. So it always makes me wonder if they're just going to come back to that scheme of two years ago of quick intermediate passes rather than a run game. So two I years think ago, when the, Mark, he also had Antonio Brown. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. I mean, but uh, – you know, that personality of uh, the quarterback, usually he gets what he wants. So I'm sure he wants to win, but I think he wants to be part of that winning plan too. But, uh, I mean, I only know if we're guaranteed that the offensive line's capable of doing that anymore, are we, Ed? I mean, they struggled mightily last year or, you know, actually since the middle of two years ago when Connor had that big start. Ever since that, they haven't ran the ball well at all, and I think it takes more than just a commitment to it. I think you're going to need, you know, shuffling that offensive lineman and getting, if it's James Conner being James Conner of the healthy James Conner, but I think it might take more than just say, okay, we're going to run the ball because I don't know if they have that personnel anymore. Like, you know, like, like 92, they had pretty decent offensive linemen and turned out to be a pretty good running back. They've run the ball with a lot less at offensive line, Mark, and um, you're going to need a you do need a commitment. Um, Tom Brady has uh, has done it uh, with a running game, as Hoke pointed out to me. He goes under center a lot, a lot more than Ben. Ben hardly ever goes under center, and um, you're going to have a little bit different uh, line. It's certainly a new left guard this year, so. Um, and if those other guys can't do it, they they need to start finding somebody who can. Yeah, I never understood why they did do the old pistol formation. I tried to get that out of Randy Fickner all the time, and he would always ho-hum around it. What's the benefit of having him in there? I'm guessing it's a lot of that, that uh, you know, mesh point run game, quick passes, RPO type of stuff. But he never really committed to why they like to go to that so much over the past, you know, what was that, three, four years. Dick Coke was really strong with me on that RPO stuff, too, as you can imagine. <laughs> he called it bull. 
<laughs> well, you know what, though? Uh, be honest with you. Uh, it depends what type you run, and is my theory on that one. Maybe not if it's like what the Eagles did a couple years ago, but if you're going up there and, and being able to change it at the line of scrimmage between a run and pass depending on the defense, I think the Steelers would have needed some of that this year, and guys like Duck and Mason weren't able to do that. Just you know, basically counting the guys in the box. If there's eight we're throwing, if there's seven or less we're running, I mean, I'll take well, those he was, RPOs. He meant sticking the ball in the guy's belly, pulling oh. out, or keeping it in, or throwing a pass, or the quarterback running. Of course, we I don't see he, a lot of that from yeah, I'm Ben. Guessing he's not but, a Lamar Jackson fan, then. <laughs> uh, he's not a fan of those offenses at all. But you know, my point was, uh, here's the 49ers who threw eight passes uh, in their last game, the championship game. They got up 27 to nothing. And this is Kyle Shanahan, his head coach, who was offensive coordinator in Atlanta when the Falcons got up on the Patriots 28-3 to and he kept throwing the ball. I think maybe he learned a lesson from that game and uh, now he's doing more of the run game. He's got, uh, you know, Raheem Mostert, as I said. He's no Mo Mozart. Uh, he's a Mostert. Um, and uh, uh, they're doing that now. All right, next question is about free agency and, and one spot where the Steelers could try to add his tight end. So the question uh, in the mailbag was, will they take a shot on a guy like Hunter Henry or Austin Hooper? Henry with the Chargers last year, Hooper with the Falcons, uh, two good pass-catching tight ends. Uh, Ed, do you think there's a chance the Steelers go that way to try to improve this offense? Well, there, there is one way that maybe we could look at them entertaining that, Tim, is if... Uh, they would cut Vance McDonald. Uh, they would save a little over five, or almost six million, I think, five something anyway. And um, you know, some projected uh, free agent contracts for these guys have them around nine million, a little over nine million a year. Um, you can, you know, you could sign a guy and 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 bring him down by spreading out the signing bonus to a cap around what what. Uh, McDonald is, but I, I just don't see them going that route. Mark, what do you think? Well, you know, Hunter Henry, I think, has a good chance of being franchised by the Chargers. And there's another guy that's, you know, he's talented as all, but he's been hurt two of the three years, I believe, he's been with the Chargers. Um, Austin Hooper's an interesting one. I, I think he would be a guy that you would uh, like to bring in, but I don't know. I mean, they took that big leap with Ladarius Green a couple years ago. I know he was hurt with some concussion issues and some ankle injuries, and that never truly really worked out. Uh, I just don't – I mean, if there was more behind Vance McDonald, I would say, yeah. you know. But, but all you got is Zach Gentry right now, really, on the roster. And if things go south a little bit or sour or sideways and you get rid of – Vance McDonald before free agency, then you can't sign one, then you're in a heap of trouble. So just for that, I think, and I believe uh, Vance McDonald has some sort of a, they have an option for him, but that's early. I mean, we're talking a couple of days into the new season, so I don't think they'll be able to do that. I wouldn't be shocked if they do bring somebody in because they, they're typically have done that where there's a, they, they identify a handful of positions that they want to address in the draft, but they'll bring on a veteran in free agency. They did that last year with, you know, Mark Barron they brought in and and Steven Nelson and guys like that. So 
they so they cover their own rear end if they don't cover get them in 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 the the draft they'll at least have somebody there so I just have a feeling Vance McDonald will be back just because of the depth there and and even the lack of of guys other than Hooper and I mean if Henry's probably going to get franchised and Hooper's your only guy out there I'm sure he's going to get paid more than he deserves. All right, I wanted to talk to you guys about Terrell Edmonds because, Mark, you have a story out, and, and it just seems like he's become – and it, it's interesting because it, it was such a good defense last season, um, but people have kind of focused in on him being maybe the weak link of that good defense. He's kind of a polarizing figure at this point. And, Mark, I thought your article did a good job of kind of telling both sides of the tale. On one side, yes, the stats fail him in some ways and, and are good in others. His tackles were up 25% because of what he was doing, but he was really bad in pass coverage. Um, quarterbacks really did well as far as quarterback rating against him. Um, but in a lot of ways, he was almost like a rookie again because you expect guys to make that big leap, and you talk about that from year one to year two. But he had year one, and then when he was getting ready to be comfortable in year two – they go ahead and trade for Minka Fitzpatrick and kind of change his role. In your mind, how much of a factor in Edmonds' struggles at times this season was the fact that he was kind of learning things all over again? I think it's a lot of those issues right there. I think, first of all, you know, playing with a different guy, too, because he played with Sean Davis for probably, what, 14, 15 months as well, learning that, then realizing the defense realized their best option was to – uh, you know, not put a lot on Minka's plate, put him back at deep safety, drop Edmonds into the box and let him be uh, that type of guy. But I think what the biggest issue was, was offenses looking at that defense and say, man, my goodness, they're pretty good all around here. Let's find the one weak, perceived weak spot. And that one perceived weak spot was Terrell Edmonds in pass coverage. Because when you have guys like Steven Nelson and Joe Hayden playing like they have and Fitzpatrick playing like they have, and it wasn't only Edmonds who struggled covering, and that's where it mostly came from, covering. I think the, the top five guys that were targeted on the Steelers' defense last year, three of the top five were like linebackers. It was Devin Bush, it was Mark Barron, then it was Terrell Edmonds. So this, instead of going after guys like... Nelson, Hayden, Fitzpatrick, they much rather throw the ball in the middle to the linebackers, and that just happened to be where um, Edmonds was. I mean, I think they, people were critical of him because he gave up so many big plays. I think it was 12 of them of 20 yards or longer, five touchdowns, 10 to miss tackles from time to time, and he didn't have any turnovers as well. And we're talking about a guy who's, what was he, the 29th overall pick, was a young guy, so um, maybe I doubt this would happen, but maybe he will be the the second coming of like a Mark Barron, a safety guy that can play that hybrid role. But uh, he's easily to pick out of a guy who you know maybe underachieved on the defense just because of what he was asked to do. That has to be tough, though. I mean, you're coming in week three, you're playing basically half safety. And all of a sudden you're saying, nah, you know, we're going to leave Mike Mink up there. Uh, you go do this now. And, I mean, you you practice all off-season OTAs and, you know, mini camp, training camp at one position. Then you're saying, nah, we're going to tr- make you do this now. It couldn't be easy. But 
once again, uh, first round pick, athletic guy. He probably should have adapted quicker than he did. Ed, when you um, think about a guy that did go 29th overall, although a lot of teams, um, when you think back to that draft, didn't have him that highly rated. Is it too soon to say that was a bad pick taking him in the first round, or do we need to give a guy who's still just 22 years old some more time? Well, I'll use the example of Bud Dupree. Everybody's saying, oh, they got to keep Bud Dupree. That, you know, before last season, nobody was saying that. So just two years in, and as Mark said, position changes, personnel changes, everything else. Uh, you certainly you don't give up on a guy after two years. Um, I don't know that he's the next Artie Burns in, in that way. Yeah, and well, and athletically, <laughs> you think he has kind of the gift. So, Mark, um, Minka Fitzpatrick came in, and they let him kind of roam center field, like you mentioned. Next year, he's even come out and mentioned that maybe it's it'd be good for him to move around a little more, which is funny because it's quite a change from his initial kind of attitude coming into Pittsburgh. So if he ends up being a safety that, that moves around a little more and spends a little more time in the box, does that make Edmonds more comfortable, or does that mean he's learning things all over again in year three? Well, I think Edmonds will be a little bit, his position will switch. If they move him around like that, then somebody's going to have to play a, you know, one of the deep high safeties. So I think he'll get more opportunities at, at doing that next year. Plus he gets a whole, you know, whole year of learning what to do in the, in the new defense. And real quick, back to the reason why people probably are upset about Terrell Edmonds and want to already ship him out here is if you look at that draft two years ago, he was picked, what, 28th? Four picks later goes Lamar Jackson. Three picks after that goes Nick Chubb. A pick after that goes Darius Leonard. So we're talking about three pro bowlers right there within five or seven picks after a guy that nobody thought should have went 28 overall. So when in the view of the, the fans, they're probably having higher expectations for him, knowing that, I mean, even Sony Michelle was taking a couple of picks after him. So uh, I think that might have been part of the reason why he might be a guy that has a little target on him as well. Could you imagine the Steelers having Lamar Jackson or Nick Chubb right now? And even Darius Leonard, then you wouldn't have to draft, you know, trade for Devin Bush and have more draft picks as well. So sometimes things turn out that way. But let me tell you about Terrell Edmonds. First of all, he's in spectacular shape. He's fast. He's smart. He's... He's one of those good guys where he comes from a football family that you could just tell that he, he he's not going to be a disruptor anywhere. He's he's just he's going to be a guy that would continue to work and work and work to try to get better, unlike potentially guys that came before him who fell in that first round pick that just said, forget about it, I'm not playing, I'm done. I don't think you have to worry about that. So I think the ceiling is a lot higher for Edmonds than say, you know, maybe already burns from a couple of years prior. Yeah, we will see. But I would think, Ed, there's a lot. There's going to be a lot of pressure on Terrell Edmonds next year. Um, do you think he's the kind of guy that, that takes that, puts a chip on his shoulder, and, and uses that as motivation? Oh, yeah. I've, I've never seen um, him back down from anything like that or, you know, would, would be timid or be under pressure. Uh, no, he just doesn't strike me as that kind of player, you know. And it, their defense was so good this year. Um, I I think that he'll thrive a little more in his third year. I really do because he's surrounded now by so many better players. 
Yeah, and yeah. he reminds me of myself too. We both have right around two point four percent body fat, <laughs> so I, we we're able to connect on that level a lot. Well, he's twenty two <laughs> and you're twenty one, so you I know, think he'll be twenty three here. I think he might just turn twenty three in a couple uh, like a couple days ago. So he's catching up on me. <laughs> All right, so it's certainly something to watch, and it'll be a focal point. I think getting ready for next year and into next year on a very good defense. Uh, whereas Edmonds is kind of place. Uh, before we get to Super Bowl predictions, uh, came out this week, announcement in the media, all-time Steelers great Terry Bradshaw is getting his own reality show. The Bradshaw Bunch will come out this summer on E! It's going to follow Terry's family. Um, and, you know, he's kind of crazy on television. You can only imagine what the family life is like for, for Terry Bradshaw and the energy that he brings uh, Ed, you going to set the DVR for this one? Yeah, I'm going to see what number wife he's on now, uh, <laughs> Tim. I, I've lost count. I really have. Um, you know, there's a, Terry has pretty much, I don't, I don't want to use the word divorced himself from the Steelers, but he, he never comes back for anything. And yeah. He is cited uh, during the season. He has to be in the studio for Fox. But he came back once and... Um, I'm buddies with uh, the, the guy who does all, he's his information man. When Bradshaw speaks any kind of information on Fox, it's because this former newspaper guy is is uh, beating the bushes to find out that information for him and feeds him. Anyway, they're, they're, they're relatively close. And a number of years ago, Bradshaw was coming in uh, for some kind of honor. I, I forget what it was. And uh, uh, his... Um, uh, his man told me, he said, he's bringing his two daughters uh, with him because he felt that if he brings them out on the field when he's introduced, they won't boo because of the two daughters. He has, he has such a complex that Pittsburgh hates him. And I told the guy, I said, it's just the opposite. He comes back, right. they're going to love him, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's how it was. It was a, it was a stirring uh, day for him and and he loved it i mean the more time that goes by it only makes those super bowl titles that much more of a, a fond memory i think for fans and and a love for the guy that helped lead the team to that point mark you gonna watch you know you I, might have I, to watch it's kind of part of your job at this point isn't it guys like, you know you gotta at least couple, tune into the first episode the previous uh employment of my employment of a couple of years ago, I probably would have had to write it, take notes, and write stories about it. To be <laughs> honest with you, so I can watch it in uh, peace. Now, I'm a big, uh, you know, I'm a big reality guy, TV show guy. I watch a lot of them, so uh, I'll tune in. But if it gets really dumb really early, which I, I mean, how much can you possibly do with Terry acting like a buffoon? And that's what's probably going to be, right? Right. I mean, how much is it before you're like, okay, I'm done. Let's move on. You're going to have to have more than Terry and. Oklahoma, you know, playing with his horses and whatnot. What, what's, there's going to have to be a plot line somewhere. I mean, I, I can't see where that comes. I mean, I'm sure I'll watch it for, you know, a, a thing or two or, or an episode or two, but I can't see that being a must-see TV for me. I, you know, I used to love the, the old uh, Hulk Hogan reality show about 10 years ago. Hogan Knows Best. He just putzed around in Florida all day, but I thought that was fascinating. I'm not quite sure if... Um, Terry will follow that that same path because you know uh, Tim. Uh, what's coincidental? Maybe uh, Bradshaw was considering quitting the Steelers in the seventies to go into uh, a TV show 
with Burt Reynolds. Um, and, you know, that, of course, that passed. And, uh, you know, he put out, he actually put out an album of songs that he sung. Um, and he he did act. He had a major role in a, in a movie. And I'm trying to remember it. Uh, it was filmed down in the Delaware Coast area. Uh, the, 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 the name of it escapes me. But uh, he was... Uh, his bare butt was shown in that movie, so let's hope it's not shown in this one. He's been in actually a, a good amount of movies, but uh, let's see here. Uh, Cannonball Run? Is that the one? No. no this uh, was more recent. It was maybe 10 oh, years okay. ago. Oh, you know what it was. Failure was... to Launch with yes, Matthew that's McConaughey. Yes, that's what it was. That was that a, yep, that's what it was. Yeah. Oh, Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey was in that. That's right. And Bradshaw hey, stole friend, the show, though. Friend of the hey, athletic, Matthew. Yeah, so McConaughey. I say it comes full circle, does it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we will have a full podcast after the debut of the Terry Bradshaw Experience That Show. We'll take it, check it out. It's the Bradshaw Bunch coming this summer to E. All right, Super Bowl predictions times, guys. Uh, I need I need a winner. So the spread is, I think it's still one. So Chiefs by one. Um, so basically just a winner and then an MVP um, as well based on who's going to win this game. Ed, you can go first. Well, um, I'm going, uh, I, th- I think we both, I looked, I cheated. I looked, uh, we have our <laughs> predictions up online. We're both picking the same team. I'm taking the 49ers, and I took them, uh, might not be this big, but 30-17, to 17, and I think Raheem Mostert, he's no Mozart, uh, will be the MVP. He's going to run down, and I guess the key for that is, right, he's going to keep the Chiefs off the field, keep Patrick oh, yeah, Mahomes get off the, the field. Get the lead just like they did against Green Bay and run the heck out of him. What do you think, Mark? I really want the Chiefs to win if I'm a rooting type of guy. <laughs> Not the Chiefs, maybe Andy Reid. I think yeah. he suffered enough over his, you know, what are we looking at now, 16 years in between the Super Bowl. I think he deserves a title. I just have a feeling it's not going to to come because I think the one potential weak spot of the Chiefs is that defense. And if you can do what the 49ers did to the Packers, which are going to really try to do and push them around. It doesn't even have to be keeping the Chiefs' offense off the field just to dominate and push those guys around, which I think they can do. And I, I think the, the 49ers will end up winning. I think it will be a little bit lower scoring game than some might think. I can't remember what I picked, but I think it was 24-20 49ers, and I did pick uh, – Mostert is the MVP as well. But my one question is, Ed, your mailman, did you tell him or not? Oh, yeah. I did. I told him it was in the middle of the podcast. I told him how to find it, and he would have to listen to the whole thing to uh, to pick it up. Now, I haven't seen him since, uh, so we'll see. We'll see one if, more he's, download. Uh, if, he's, if he's got a fat head the next time I see him. <laughs> uh, I'm going the other way. I'm going 27-21 Chiefs. I think lower scoring than you would expect in a Chiefs win. I think the offense takes a while to get going, but eventually um, they get going. And if the Chiefs are going to win, I think it's it's kind of a lock that Mahomes will end up being the MVP. Mark, you mentioned Andy Reid, and that's a good question. If the Chiefs win this game, is Andy Reid a Hall of Famer? What do you think, Ed? Yeah, I think he is. Um, you know, he's... He's like Bill Cower in a way. Uh, Bill won only one, uh, but he would. Bill was in a had his teams in a ton of uh, AFC Championship games, and when Andy was in uh, 
Philadelphia, they were in a ton of NFC championship games. Of course, they lost most of them, all but one. And, um, yeah, I think I think he is. He had four consecutive NFC yeah. championship games. Yeah, I was down in uh, – I was covering the Eagles back then from uh, from the distance. I remember all those rough that's, losses. That's tough. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, you talk about the Bills – in the early '90s, going to four straight Super Bowls. I mean, it's just as hard to get the four straight NFC Championship games. I wouldn't even make only one Super Bowl. So, uh, yeah, I think. I mean, he's young, youngish too. I mean, was he going to be sixty-two? So you imagine have his couple more years in him. I think he's a little older well, than that, isn't he? I think he'll Is be. Is he only sixty-two? Wow, I, I believe so. And um, plus, he has two hundred twenty. I think he already has more wins than Cowher, right? He has so nine grandkids. It, he already has more wins than Cower, and if he gets one Super Bowl, I don't see there would be any, much of a difference between them. Like you said, Ed, those are those two careers are very similar to one another. Of uh, other than you know, Andy probably coaching a couple more years there, so I think he would be able to get it unless you know, unless Deion Sanders doesn't think he's worthy of it, right? Uh, right, Ed. Mark, my my you, friend. Uh, my favorite You're thing right, about by the way, what's that? He's only sixty-one. He turned sixty-two in March. My favorite he looks thing older. About, my favorite thing about the Deion Sanders is he wants it all uh, fair to be more exclusive, but he won't tell us who to take out. Right, Ed? <laughs> well, you know that's 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 they're all their arguments. I mean, they always do that every time. There's a hall, and I'm, you know, I've been doing this, been a voter since the mid '90s. They don't celebrate the Hall of Famers. They complain about those who didn't get in, but they'll never say who. Because we, you can only put five in this year, like five in. So if somebody doesn't get in that they don't want, who are they going to take out? Like that's If you're going to stand up and say that, do it the whole way. Say, uh, Baselli, uh, he shouldn't be in. Uh, Hutchinson should be in his place or whatever it is. <laughs> Dion yeah. knows it all. <laughs> uh, well, it is being watered down. I, I And I think yeah. this year's class uh, – his centennial class was a good example of that. But nevertheless, um, it's their Hall of Fame. You know, they're running it. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, you mentioned the nine grandkids for Andy Reid. Uh, he was asked about that this week. Ian Rappaport tweeted about it. Uh, Andy said, they keep you young, and at the same time, they make you feel old. It's kind of like sweet and sour pork. I I'm just gonna. I feel like that's a good way to end the podcast. We'll just leave it at that. That's a the wise words of Andy Reid, possible Hall of Fame head coach. Certainly, I think if the Chiefs can get the win on Super Bowl Sunday. All right. If you want more information on the Super Bowl to get you ready, uh, we have a Chiefs podcast. We have a Niners podcast as well. So check out either the Times Hours, which is obviously a play on Andy Reid's words at press conferences, and also uh, the Here's the Catch. We'll cover the Niners show. So both those shows, all those guys out in Miami covering the game um, and doing those shows from Miami. So check them out to get you ready for the Super Bowl. And again, go to theathletic.com slash the Immaculate Podcast. Save 40% off a subscription to The Athletic. You can follow Ed on Twitter at Ed Bouchette, and Mark is at Mark Caboli. Thanks to Marissa for the great producing, and we'll talk to you again in a little bit here on the Immaculate Podcast. 